Hi, this is Ricardo, pastor of Journey Church Ventura. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our podcast. Hope you're having a great week. We hope it's life-giving and life-changing. Take care. Oh my goodness. <clears throat> There's a powerful phrase right at the end of that. You're only as sick as your secrets. You're only as sick as your secrets. That's a crazy true statement. That's actually a scary statement. Because how many of us have secrets? How many of us have, are holding back? How many of us are, are, have a facade that doesn't show the real us? We've been in this series called Don't Be Fooled. And the whole intention of the series, the main thought, is that we need to be aware that the enemy, the devil, wants to fool us into being deceived and distracted from moving forward in our faith. I felt very strongly that the Lord wants us to, to focus on for these last five or six weeks on the idea that the enemy really wants the church to be distracted and deceived. And it, it, would, be, it, it would make him happy, the, the, the devil, to, to deceive us and distract us and to get us on a path that we don't need to be on so that our faith doesn't move forward, so that our church holds back so that we get lost in the things of the world rather than uh, found in the things of God. We've asked this question, how do we recognize the deception and distraction of the enemy? How do we, how do we come, become aware of what's going on? How do we keep our eyes on God's mission when the enemy is attempting to deceive and distract? And so today I've titled this message, Let's Be Real. Let's be real. Let's be authentic. Let's be genuine. And uh, it's very possible that the church is one of the most unreal places on Sunday mornings. I, I, I know we don't want to face this. I know we don't want to tell the truth about what we do on Sunday mornings. But isn't it true that many of us come in and we put on the face of the Christian? We, we get the, the church face. And it's, it looks like this. <laughs> regardless of what you're going through, regardless of what you're experiencing, regardless of what is happening in your life, good or bad, we're, we want, something happens when you drive in that driveway that's all of a sudden... You know, we get that face. Now, all of us have the grin. And you know this grin, all of us do it. And we do it everywhere. Every single person knows what this is. You know, that kind of the lips together. You don't show your teeth because if you did, you'd show a little too much emotion. But it's like, and for guys, it's always. And we put this, this smile on. There's the other church side, the oversaved people if you will, if that's possible. It's the hyper-greeting. You know, it's that, it's that and, and now everybody's going to be paranoid when you walk into church. I know this, okay? But it's that hyper-greeting, hey, praise God, what are you doing here? You know, it's that energy that just like, your hair goes back, or at least those that have it. It's that hyper-greeting. And then there is the occasional 
person who's just always down. You know, always, always kind of, I'm, I'm better off coming into the church just looking sad. Getting my attention that way. Jesus is good. Yay. You know, it's that, it's that kind of thing. And you're always kind of, and, and then we have our language. We have our language. How are you doing? Blessed by the best. And I know there are people here that say these things, okay? So you're going to be, like, uncomfortable when I say these things, okay? But we, we say these things. We, we have this language. This is, I call it Christianese. <clears throat> blessed by the best. How about blessed and highly favored? Those are true statements. It's true, but we kind of have this language that we use to kind of greet each other. It's kind of like the big smile. Blessed by the best. Too blessed to be stressed. Love the sinner, hate the sin. God is good. All the time. See, we have our language. We have our language. Can you imagine the person that doesn't know all these things and they walk in and they go, what? <laughs> Forgiven by the blood. <laughs> Somebody hears that and they're like, oh, I'm out. <laughs> I'm leaving. <laughs> Start talking about blood. What are people really thinking when they walk through the door? We have the saying as, as a church um, that uh, we are a hospital for sinners, not a museum for saints. That saying, I want to stick. That's a saying that I want to keep. I want to embrace because we are a hospital for sinner, not a museum for saints. But what are people really thinking when they come in? They, are, are, they, are they really as welcome as we say they are? Come as you are? Are we okay with, with people who walk in as they are? As their life is? As their circumstance as their clothes is, as their language is, as their heart is, are we okay with that? I hope there's an amen somewhere. Because people, probably, if they were to say what they're really thinking when they come in, life sucks. There are things going on in life that isn't pleasant right now. Is it okay to say sucks? It's okay if you say it around a vacuum. Life is hard. Life sucks. I'm angry right now. Just wrestled my kids into the car. I'm scared. I'm involved in sin that I cannot beat. I need help. Wouldn't that be refreshing sometimes? Wouldn't that be refreshing? Somebody walks through the door and says, How are you doing? Oh, man, life is really hard right now. Now, I know for a fact that people this moment are struggling. And I, you don't need to come and, and, and just bear your soul every weekend. You don't need to come and, and open your heart to, 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 you know, you need some trusted friends that you can share this kind of openness with. But I really do believe that if we were a church that lived what we say, 
that come as you are, that these seats would fill up quicker and quicker and quicker. Because the people outside really don't believe us. If you talk to them, if you share with them, if you just say, hey, can I talk to you about Jesus? All of a sudden, a wall goes up, a, a, a heart closes, uh, ears shut down. Um, quite often they just turn and walk away or they'll say some rude things to you. Or, and, and not everybody's that way, but a lot of people are that way. Because they believe that we look down our noses in our righteousness at their unrighteousness. We look down our noses and, and communicate that we don't really believe what we say. Come as you are. The enemy would love nothing else than to have us believe that you and I are the only ones struggling. That we're the only ones going through stuff. And so if we believe that, then we're going to come in and we're going to, hey, let me put my church face on. Let me get my blessed by the best language out. Let me, let me make sure that I look okay so that I don't bother anybody with my stuff because really I'm the only one going through this stuff. And that's not true. We're all going through it. We're all going through a crazy world right now, aren't we? We're all going through difficult times. And I realize maybe some, some of us have been taught, hey, don't, don't say things negatively. Don't be a negative person. I, I, I don't like negativity personally. I, I struggle with it. And if I'm hanging around people that are really negative, then I struggle with that. But I do believe that we need to be real. That when things are bad, they are bad. And it doesn't mean they have to stay that way. It doesn't mean that, that if we're going through difficult times that we're, going, we're confessing something that is just going to add uh, uh, and heap difficult times on us. I don't believe that. I believe that, okay, we're going through a difficult financial moment. Let's say we're going through a difficult financial moment. But let's then ask God to get us out of that. Because he's, when we admit what's really going on, that's when God has an opportunity to show up. When we invite him in, when we ask him to get involved, when we ask him to do his thing, then all of a sudden we see a God who really, really can change things. What would happen if we're real? I thought that statement that they made in that video was really powerful and the reason I picked it. We are only as sick as our secrets. There have been times in my life where I've fallen into sin and the only way that I was able to overcome that was to come out with it. Go to a close friend and say, hey, I'm struggling with this. I need help. And I have friends, uh, buddies of mine from college that I can call and I'd say, hey man, I'm struggling, I'm going through a difficult time, whatever that, that issue is in my life, I'm, I confess it, I say what it is, I don't say, you know, I have an unspoken request. That's crazy language in the church. God knows my need, can you just pray for it? It's true, Okay. But there's something powerful about saying, man, I am angry and I'm ticked and I've sinned in my anger. I've yelled and screamed and I've gotten mad and I've hurt people and I need help getting over this thing. My buddies, 
will call me every day. They'll send scriptures to me. They'll do all kinds of things and, and encourage me to get out of that stuff that I'm in. There's nothing like making it known. Why should we be real? Because people need to see Jesus show up in our real lives. I think when we live real in front of people that don't know Jesus, and they see Jesus come into our real life, and they see Jesus solve our real problems, instead of tell people that we never have problems because we love Jesus, that's not true, is it? But when they see Jesus come into our problems, and they help us through our problems and out of our problems, that's when Jesus becomes real to them. That's when we're authentic. <clears throat> Jesus works in the context of real life. Jesus heals, redeems, sets free, blesses, saves, delivers, gives peace. And he does all of that amongst the real lifetimes. People don't like fake. And they can smell it. This world knows fake. This world understands fake. Even though they play fake. They appreciate authenticity. They appreciate real. They appreciate an openness to real life. I like what Jesus said in Mark 2. He says this. He says, While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples. For there, <clears throat> there were many who followed him, many sinners and tax collectors. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. And he's not talking about that sick. The sick, the unhealthy, the authentic, the real. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And he's using righteous there as not a, a, a compliment. Because the Pharisees, you see, were, were people who bragged on and considered themselves better than everybody else. The, the Pharisees and the Sadducees were the people who said, I got it all together. I know all the rules, and I follow all the rules, and I do all the rules, and you don't. And so they were pointing their fingers in a self-righteous way, not being real at all because every one of those Pharisees had issues, needed their sins forgiven, needed their hearts cleansed, were going through their own challenges in life. But Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. He tells us that we are all messed up. He tells us that we're all sick. He wants to hang out with us. Not the self-righteous, pious, proud, full-of-themselves people. He wants to hang out with the people that are, are willing to admit that life is difficult. And it's messy. And we are messy. And we're messed up. You okay with that? I know this sounds like a crazy sermon. You're like, I came to church to hear that we're messed up. It gets better. Just remember, we're a hospital for sinners, not a museum for saints. That's just another way of phrasing what Jesus was saying right there. We're messed up. 
So what are the realities of this messed up life? Why must we realize that we're messed up? First of all, part of that messed up confession that we need to make, all of us, is that we're all sinners. Not an amen in the house. First of all, we need to all confess that we are all sinners. All right. (laughs) The righteousness in in Romans 3, 22 through 24 says this, the righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. That little part in verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Let's say it together. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Yeah. It's okay to be real. It's okay to say, I'm a sinner. I've fallen short. Or I fall short. Or I'm falling short. Or I will fall short. All of those kinds of confessions are true about us. Without Christ, we're going to mess up. Without Christ, we're going to, and even with Christ, we're still going to get our flesh in the way at times and let it take over and mess up. For all have sinned. You and I are sinners. And that's okay. That's okay. We live in a broken world. Genesis 3 says this. It says, To the woman he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. I've witnessed this. It's not pleasant. And I wouldn't blame any person who's giving birth to curse the name of Eve. So what happened when they take, took a bite of the jalapeno? It's what happened. They, they took the bite of that jalapeno, and all of a sudden God said, and there will be pain when you give birth to children. What's really interesting is the next part, your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. We don't have time to go into that little statement right there. <clears throat> but we need, yeah, yeah. We don't have time for that. <clears throat> let's, let's stay with the birth, birthing issue. <clears throat> Us husbands are messed up. Verse 17, to Adam he said, because you listened to your wife. He wasn't blaming the wife. He was just saying you listened to your wife. And ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Though through painful toil you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. Now, if you reversed all of those statements, you can kind of get a picture of how life was intended to be. The ground was not to be cursed. We were to eat food all the days of our life 
because God made it instead of our toil. It will produce thorns and thistles. That was not intended. So when we use the word weed, let's just look at it as bad. Is that okay? <laughs> wow, it got quiet for just a moment there. <laughs> we live in California. And you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. That was never intended either. Since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. Life is hard because of sin. This is a messed up world. That's the point. We're all sinners. This is a messed up world, and we all go through difficult times. The, the, the whole toil in what we face in this world, we call it work because it was sin that created a need to work. Now, there, wasn't, it, there was a plan for us to take care of the world and to multiply in the world and to benefit from the world, but none of this was intended. And now we struggle. Now we sweat. Now there's pain in childbirth. Now there's all this stuff that has come as a result of sin. And we live in a sin-filled world. And a sin result, in a result of sin in this world. All of us die. And, and I, I love praying for healing. But I also understand that when you're healed, you're still going to die of something. Unless you have the privilege, like two other, three other people in, in history, that get taken off this planet before you die. But so far, we're at about 99.99999% mortality rate. So we're all going to die of something, regardless of whether you're healed or not. And I love healing. I believe in healing. I trust that God will heal and bring miracles. But he only does that for his glory, not just for our comfort, because something's going to take us out. So we sin. We live in a broken world, and we struggle. Romans 7 says this, So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me. Listen to this. Waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. We are struggling. Daily, you and I struggle with the thoughts and the, the tugs and the pulls of the things of this world and the things of the Spirit. Every day there's this, this pull and this tug, and it's a war, it's a struggle. And yes, there is victory in the war. Because Jesus has given us power by the Holy Spirit through His grace to overcome sin. We can do that, but only with His help, not without it. But we still struggle. It's still a struggle. And this is part of being real, is understanding that we're all sinners. We live in a sinful world that's affected, that, that has affected the world so in a, in a negative context. Why do we have disease here? Because of sin. Why do we have, not because of your sin, by the way. I just want to make it clear. You, just because you've made a mistake doesn't mean you're going to get sick. Okay, I don't believe that. I don't believe that's the way God rolls and, and rules our lives many times. Too, too often there was, a, there was a time where preaching was all about if you're sick, you've sinned. And the Bible doesn't teach that. We get sick because we live in a sick world. 
not a sick in the positive sense. We get, how, how, what's a better way to put that? We get sick because we live in an ill world, to use language that doesn't get confusing. And we struggle because there's an enemy. There's an enemy that would love for you and me to get distracted. And here's the, the, the warning today is that the enemy of falsehood being fake with our faith enables us to live in guilt and shame and, and uh, uh, condemnation far longer than we ever should. If we are real and we let people know what we're struggling with, we get help. We get out of that guilt and that shame. And we can live in a victorious life as opposed to a guilt-ridden, shame-filled life. We're as sick as our secrets. We're as sick as our secrets. Hear that. Now what I love about the reality of everything is that come as you are doesn't mean that you get to leave as you came. Do you hear that? Come as you are, you're welcome. You're welcome to come in. Come on in. Be a part of what we're, what's going on here. But I don't believe you're going to leave as you, as you came because you're going to meet up with Jesus. You're going to meet up with the Holy Spirit. He's going to rest on us. He's going to set you free. He's going to deliver you. He's going to give you strength. He's going to give you encouragement. You're going to find a friend. You're going to do all the things that God has for us to, to be victorious in life comes when we come as we are. And we admit who we are and then let the Holy Spirit change us. So come as you are doesn't mean you get to leave as you came. That's the beautiful part of it. And so how do we leave differently even though we came as we are and we're welcome and we're loved? How do we change? How do we see the change happen? The first thing that happens is simply this is that we live in a community of light. We live in a community of light. Listen, listen to John 3. It says, This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds are, were evil. Everyone who does evil ha- hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. That's the very reason we don't, we're not real. That's the very reason we don't like real and authentic and openness and honesty and authenticity is because we don't want to be exposed. We don't want the, the, the onion layers to be laid bare so that we see what's inside. And what happens then is we become these people who, who put on our Facebook face, our Twitter face, our TikTok face, whatever face you want to put on on social media, our Instagram face. And we put all these faces on and we're, we never live in reality. No one ever sees us for who we are, and we're sitting by ourselves dealing with all the stuff that we're going through, and no one knows you, except you and God. And we keep praying, God, help me, help me, help me, but God says, I will help you when you bring it to light, when you bring it to a place, and we'll talk about that in just a minute, but we need a context of light. Here's what it says in verse 21. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that, that, that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. 
And so we bring our lives into the light, and then God shows us, shows, show, shows us who we are. And it, sometimes that's ugly. Sometimes that's not pretty. But then we can offload all of that stuff onto God and onto our friends and onto our neighbors and onto whoever is a trusted friend. I'm not saying you, you, you confess to anybody and everybody. But there's a right place and a good place and a healthy place to do that. And when we do that, we come into the light. And then all of a sudden, this is what I love about confession, is that this load just comes off. Many of us walked in this building today going, ugh, going through stuff. I've done stuff. I'm, I'm experiencing stuff. I have doubt and fears and scared and sin and all this stuff in my life. And I have no one to share it with. We share it with God, and yes, He loves you. He forgives you. He'll, he'll set you free. But then you kind of go back into it because you don't have anybody holding you accountable. You don't have anybody walking you through it, asking you questions. There's a beauty of living in the light. By the way, when you live in the light, you don't bump into near as many things. You, you, you know, I love my, our house, and, and uh, I'm, it's right now it's been set long enough to where I, I can walk in the dark and kind of figure out where it's going, but my wife loves to change our house. So quite often I'm with my phone going, oh, where am I now? Where's the, they didn't move the bathroom, did they? You know? And when I don't do that, it's like hit that chair, and you're like, oh. Oh, oh, that, I want to say things that I'm not supposed to say right now. <laughs> living in the light's a beautiful thing. Yes, living in a context of love. 1 John 4, 16 says this, And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. We love. And then it says in verse 18, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. And we need to live in a context of love that allows us to say, I'm messed up. Really? So am I. And I know God's love for you overcomes the fear that you have of not being loved. Doing the wrong things, disobeying God, that all makes us afraid that we won't be loved. But when we are able to confess it and say, I have messed up, and then you receive love, it was the very thing that kept me from um, trusting Jesus when I was a kid. And Every, every sermon was kind of like that hell, hellfire and brimstone kind of sermon where, you know, if you get caught in a movie theater, you're going to go to hell. And, uh, and if you get caught playing cards, you're going to go to hell. And, of course, all the other, you know, kind of, if you get caught, you know, in, uh, in, a, in an affair, you get caught doing drugs or whatever, you know, all those kinds of things, you're going to hell, you're going to hell, you're going to hell. Well, all my life, I was afraid until I got into a context of love who said, hey, yeah, some of those things are going to ruin your life, but if you, we love you, 
and we'll love you out of those things. Then all of a sudden, I turned my heart towards Jesus and found out that he loved me more than he hated me. He hated my sin, but he loved me. And I found out more about his death and his resurrection and found out that all of that was for me. Romans 5.8 became a real thing for me. But God demonstrated his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's love. We need to live in a context of love. We need to be a church that loves. And we let God do the judging. Amen? Amen. The Bible does say we can judge each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. Not judge that you're going to hell, but give some judgment. Help each other. When we see somebody straying off onto the side path, then we say, hey, 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 come on, come on, come on. And the last thing is probably the most important thing. To overcome this, this uh, to be real, we confess our sins to each other. Proverbs 28, 13 says, Whoever conceals their sins does not prosper. But the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Mercy. James 5 says this, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. We need to confess our sins to each other. Tell each other what we're going through. Tell each other what we're doing so that we can get help to get out of it. Obviously, we're not helping ourselves. It's the problem I have with self-help books. First of all, a self-help book isn't a self-help book. It's somebody else help, trying to help you. Why do we call them self-help books? And then if self could help self, why would you need help? Only to realize that self can't help self, so I need other help. That's called a self-help book. Doesn't work. We need others. So we need other help. Galatians 6 says this, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. It doesn't say you who live by the Spirit should condemn that person and tell that person they're going to hell and how wrong that person is and how unwelcome they are. No, it doesn't say that. It says you should restore them gently. But watch yourselves or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. The enemy would love nothing more than to get you and me to believe that if I just hide everything and keep all my secrets in and let everybody think that everything's okay, he would love nothing more than for you and I to give that impression so that we continue to live in our guilt and our shame and our burdens and all those things by ourselves and get, not get the help that we need. Because it's not a self-help book that works. It's Jesus and it's you and me working together to follow him and working together to hold each other accountable. I know that word isn't popular, accountability, but man, it's the most powerful word. Transparency authenticity, openness, honesty, integrity. All of those words are words that say, if we will just live real, we will experience the joy of seeing Christ become very real in our lives. And when we do it together, when we do it as a church, 
we will see many, many people come to Christ. Why? Because they're not judged. We're not trying to clean the fish before we catch them. We're just bringing them into the boat and saying, hey, it's good to have you here. Check out what Jesus can do for you. And then we walk together. Let's admit that life is a little bit messy, right? Yeah. We're sinners. The world's messed up. We struggle. We have an enemy. But let's be a light-filled church. Let's be a church that isn't afraid to tell the truth. But anytime we're telling the truth, it's followed immediately with grace. We had a saying in a church up, up in Seattle that I was a pastor at, that if you can't tell the truth with a tear in your eye, don't tell the truth at all. If you don't care for the person that you're telling that truth to, then you're judging. You're judging. Let's be a love-filled church. Let's be a real church. One that's willing to confess to each other, not out of guilt or shame, not out of con condemnation, but out of a realization that you are going to help me and I'm going to help you, and we're going to win this battle in this life that we face. Today, maybe you came and you put that happy face on. Hey, it's church day. Blessed by the best. Or maybe you did come in with burdens on your shoulders. Maybe you came in with sin in your heart. Maybe you came in with this, this, this aching and this burdensome stuff that's going on in your life and no one knows because you think the enemy has convinced you that you need to hide it. We're only as sick as our secrets. Let's get rid of our secrets and let's be open and honest. And trust me, that's going to get messy. It's going to be messy. When you hear somebody say what they're thinking and feeling, it's going to be messy. But at the end of the day, I believe that it's going to get healthy and healthier and healthier as we confess our sins to each other, most importantly to Jesus. And we have our sins forgiven and we begin to walk out our struggles and we begin to win more than we get, lose. What a great experience that's going to be. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for loving us even while we were sinners. For loving us as sinful people. Thank you for sending your son Jesus Christ to die on a cross and to truly love us in our circumstance. And not only to love us, but be the solution to help us get out of the pain and the agonies that we've experienced. And Lord, some of those we experience because this world is just simply ugly. It's, it's affected by sin. It's, it's <coughs> degrading because of sin. Not ours, but it's just a broken world. And Lord, we live in it, and we realize we're going to face brokenness. But together, God, we believe that we can do anything. We can accomplish great things. We can experience deliverance from our sin, and we can help others out of their sin. And I pray right now for those that came in today with maybe a happy face but a broken heart, I pray that you touch that heart right now in Jesus' name. I pray that you restore that marriage. I pray that you deliver that addict. I pray that you set free that, that, that person who's connected to some kind of sin, habitual sin. In the name of Jesus, I pray that you bless those that are, are, are struggling with their own physical health. In the name of Jesus, heal. 
Help us share with each other and help us carry each other's burdens so that we can experience joy in this broken world instead of guilt and shame and and all the things that come with unconfessed sin and hidden secrets. Lord, I pray that you allow us to open our hearts and be that kind of church that welcomes people into our family, realizing, God, that we're a hospital for sinners, not a museum for saints. Help us, God, to love each other. Help us to care for each other. Help us to be real. And as we are, may we experience the joy of seeing others come as they are, but leave with the joy of knowing that you have loved them, you have cared for them, you have died for them, you have saved them, you have set them free, you've delivered them, you've given them hope. And I thank you and I praise you for that. I believe you're going to do great things, God, as we become a real church for real people. Maybe you're here today and you have yet to accept Jesus Christ. You learn this moment that Jesus loves you and he cares about you more than anything. That your sin is not the barrier to um, him loving you. Your sin is the barrier to you moving forward in your life. He loves you. And he died for you on a cross. He rose again the third day. And he promises you eternal life. If you want to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today, just pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, please forgive me of my sin. I admit that I'm a messed up person. I'm being real with you, God. I have made mistakes and I do things that I don't like uh, admitting, but I've done things that do not please you. And I ask for your forgiveness. And I accept that forgiveness today, and I thank you for that forgiveness. And I declare that I am clean, I am whole, I am pure because of what you've done for me on the cross. And I thank you for rising from the dead so that I could have eternal life. And I commit to follow you for the rest of my life. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to join your journey. And I hope the message made a big difference in your life. And if it did, we just encourage you to go to journeychurchventura.com and let us know. Also, be free to share this message with your friends and family. We just love to impact as many people as we can. Once again, thank you for joining us at Journey Church Ventura.